This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's Sidecast is our weekly visit with our Cyclone Radio Network analysts, Eric Heft and Ryan Harkwaugh. We'll take a look back at that season-opening victory over UNI. So many positives to come out of that game. And we'll look ahead to this week's Iowa Corn Cyhawk showdown with the Hawkeyes in Ames. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Eric Heft and Ryan Harklaw. Well, guys, I guess let's just start off with what's your number one takeaway from the Iowa State game on Saturday? Iowa State won. And, and you know, how many times have we been in an Iowa State-UNI game? that you're just kind of sweating bullets coming down the end of the game. And we didn't have that Saturday. We were sweating. I mean, it was cool in the booth, but I'm sure, Hark, you were sweating down there on the field. But, you know, just in control of the game. And we thought the defense was going to be good for Iowa State. Certainly delivered, and the offense did enough to make it really a comfortable win. And for me, 1-0 is a great place to start the season. Yeah, I think the number one for sure takeaway for me was how prepared so many kids were to play that football game. I was shocked. They had over 70 kids play that game, a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And I think I expected to see a lot of kids and a lot of younger kids players I didn't expect to see that you know and I think that how prepared they were was unbelievable to me I just know how hard it is as a true freshman to play at that level and the amount of kids that that coaching staff had ready and prepared to play special teams offense and defense was unbelievable so that's for me that stood out the most I think that is such a hard task that people don't really it's hard to appreciate unless you've been through it and to have that many kids ready to play was outstanding and I think let's dive into that a little deeper because you know, by comparison's sake, Iowa did not play a true freshman in week one. And Iowa State played, what, seven or eight at least? And you're right, Hark, they weren't just out there getting a couple snaps. A lot of these guys were significant contributors in that victory. Ben Bramer catching a touchdown. That kid's ready to play right now. And number one, it's a, good, it's a great recruiting job, getting a kid that talented that far ahead. But he's ready to play. Jack Sadowski started at middle linebacker, played a lot of snaps. It doesn't even have to be a true freshman. The, the freshman across the board that played all over the place. Ikenna Iziagu, another guy that you're going to see a ton, played a lot of snaps. Rocco is still a freshman. J.J. Cole still a freshman. You know, I'm trying to go across the board. I, there's so many playing. I can't remember. Abu Sama. Abu Sama. Like, tell me, that kid's not explosive. And and Cartavis Norton, who was here last year, is really healthy for the first time in his career. He's ready to play, and he hasn't had a lot of snaps in this, in this time. Carson Hansen, another running back, that he came in at the wrong time. There was a penalty called or a timeout, and it kind of hurt his cycle of when he was going to touch the ball. But with only 45 snaps in a game for an offense, unfortunately, we didn't get to see everything yet. And I think there's so much more to come from this young class. But, yeah, there's there's kids all over the field that are just, just – unbelievably ready to play at a high level and it just blows my mind that we have those kids ready that fast yeah and jameson Patton getting some snaps back mm-hmm. there too another true freshman but you know hark you can speak to this certainly the guys on defense played a lot more snaps but i'm sure there were some mistakes made back there in the fourth quarter or whatever how but how important was it for those guys to get live reps in a real game going forward i, I think that's really got to help a ton it really does if you look at it so we were on the coaches show last night and, and coach Campbell stated an interesting fact. We had nine linebackers get 20 plays or more. The best coaching you can get is actually on the, on the film. It's live rounds, right? It's it, this is real deal. The, the, and, and there's people really trying to block you and people really trying to schematically beat you. And, and so to have that kind of experience is unbelievable. So 
there's no other time in a season that a team will improve more than week one to week two. And for us to have the opportunity to have 70 kids get better, that much better from week one to week two, to use real game film to do it is so invaluable. And again, that from week one, yes, it was a great win. We, I mean, I think every Iowa state fans nervous to drive to a UNI Iowa state game, rightfully so. Um, but the thing that for me, that's so important was so much great game film on so many kids that would allow so many of our, so much of our team to get better from week one to week two. And let's take that a step further too, because you think of areas where you could really make some growth week one to week two. And I think, I think the offensive line did a pretty good job. I mean, Iowa State averaged five yards a carry. They protected the quarterback pretty well, but you still feel like there's a little bit more there. Now, obviously you're going against a really good Iowa defense, but at the same time, I just look forward to the growth week one to week two with the offensive line, especially because that was Coach Clanton's first shot with these guys. And so now he's seen some tape and he can do some tinkering a little bit in practice. And so I'm excited about that. I am too. When you look at though, they average five and a half yards of play. And the, the interesting thing is this new clock rules, it changes everything. So everything we've ever known for total yards in a game or total uh, offense that we've seen is, is now out the door because it's, it's the game goes so much quicker. You're not going to see us run 70 plays. Well, I, that's what you and I ran. I hope we get to a little bit. But you run 70 plays, you know, like we did at the same five and a half yards per play like we average. It's a 400 offense day, 400 yards per offense for the day if us, if we get 70 plays in. And so... I think we got behind the sticks too much. We made some holding penalties that were really unfortunate. The good news is our special teams gave us a short field a few times. But, John, you're 100% right. There is a lot of upside in that offense. I think there was some mishaps on the front side of that offense where we maybe missed a block here or there that could have bro- broken a couple big runs for us because they started crowding the box. I mean, they were putting their safeties 10 yards off the ball saying, all right, run it. You know, Rocker, you're not going to beat us unless you're going to throw a 40-yard touchdown to Ben Bramer like you did. But, you know, there was a couple big throws to, to Jalen that could have hit as well just because they were crowding it up in the box. But I agree. Overall, it's a good start for Nate Shieldhouse. It's a good start. Not a great start. Not a terrible start. It's almost what I expected. They played within what they wanted to be. I love that he's our coordinator. I love how simple he made it. Five and a half yards per play, you do that on 70 plays and you got a 400-yard day. That's pretty good offense. You know, a lot of people talk about the the rule changes you know, and we only ran 45 plays, you know, the next lowest of any big 12 team was 66. <laughs> but <laughs> It was such, it was circumstances that dictate mm-hmm. you have a pick six. Okay. So that's basically taken away a possession, which is, which is great. You have punt return that sets you up. You have a short field and then you get ahead and it's like, Hey, we got big games ahead. I mean, the situations dictated those numbers. I think the thing that I was most encouraged about with the offense in particular the last drive of the first half, we really settled in, got the touchdown to Moore, and then and then followed that up with the opening drive of the second half to basically put the game completely away. Two really good drives. It was run, pass, whatever they had to do, uh, they were able to do it. And I thought those were the kinds of things, the momentum that I think you can uh, build on. After that, you know, the game was just kind of like uh, – Let's just kind of play it out. We're not going to try anything too much. We we know you and I is going to stack the box. It's going to be hard to run, but we're going to try to run anyway. And got to the end, nobody got hurt. And that was kind of what we were hoping for at that point. But those two drives, last one of the first half, opening drive of the second half, to me, really shows the potential of what this offense can be. And I just love the way Rocco in particular and that offensive line, I, I thought they were in command during those two drives. And that's what I wanted to see out of this first game. And we saw it. 
Today's SciCast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. Eric, you were mentioning kind of the look in the mirror factor of the game coming up this week. Expand on that a little bit. These two teams are so much a mirror image of one another. Tight ends, run the football, great defenses, try to do a lot of the same kinds of things. You know, you talk about Iowa State winning in the margins, and that's kind of been the mantra. It's been very successful. Iowa's done that for years, too. So this is kind of a mirror image kind of game. And who can do what they do best in this game will probably have the best chance to, uh, to come away with a win. That and who doesn't turn the ball over, by the way, because that has been an Achilles heel in this series for Iowa State. And now we have Tyler Perkins. And if, if we can get Tyler to kick like he did on Saturday, you know, I think Tory Taylor flipped the field on us so much. And he made us play on a 100-yard field while we were, you know, they were trying to play on a 50-yard field. If you look in the past in these games, we really struggled getting the ball uh, away from their end zone. I mean, there were times we were making Iowa punt from their 20 or a 30 after the kickoff. And they're hitting 70 yard bombs and we're having to go 90 yards for a touchdown and score. And and so I think the 22 offense and defensive players were in a good spot. I, I will say that I'm very confident in those 22. The circumstances of the game, what we have to control turnovers and field position. You know, if we can do a good job with those two things, I feel really strong about the 22 guys on the field for Iowa State. Guys, let's uh, discuss Iowa State's defensive line, because you know, we've talked about the job that Eli Rashid does and. Man, I, I don't know that it was ever more on display than this past Saturday, just because you lost all three starters from last year off your defensive line. But in steps Tyler Onietum, in steps Dominic Orange, and in steps Joey Peterson and the guys behind him. And man, did they impact the game. I mean, just you think about how many times they were in the UNI backfield creating havoc and you know, if Iowa State gets five, even really six sacks in a game, because the one that Joey got didn't count and happened on a two-point conversion, but six times they got to the quarterback. So much well, of that is because Jacob of but, Right, Jacob Ellis getting pressure that it got a penalty that he didn't deserve. But, you know, so many times within that game, Iowa State's defensive line really impacted a play in a really positive way for the Cyclones. Well, I, I think, number one, Coach Rashid does a terrific job. They also do a terrific job getting depth through recruiting in that line. And the fact that Coach Rashid is not afraid to play a lot of guys young to get them experience, even when they're not starters. That's why guys like Joey Peterson, Dominic Orange, Tyler Onyetum all played significantly last year as backups, if you will. And now they're ready to go. But this is a, a developmental program. And I don't think anybody's done a better job developing players you know, at a position group uh, for Iowa State than Coach Rashid. He, he's been terrific. And once again, the recruiting has certainly helped. We were talking last week on this sidecast about watch out for T.O., Tyler Onyadam, how good he's going to be. He only played the first half and dominated the game. Not blockable. I mean, if you're, you're seeing, I, I mean, those tackles had rough film this week from you and I. You know, I have to go back to watch that game again. What was comforting coming into the season, I, we all knew it, you know, Eric, we'd seen them in their past. We knew what they were. There's so much distraction coming into the season where people like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be in trouble. They, you know, here's what they have. I go, look, this defense has four draft picks on it. You just don't know who they are yet. It's Dominic Orange is a draft pick. Tyler Onyetum is a draft pick. Malik Verdon will be drafted and so will TJ Tampa. And I think there's others. But those are pretty confident. Like, those are draft picks. And four of your 11 starters are draft picks. You're going to have a good defense. And 
I think the team defense that we saw on Saturday was probably the most exciting part. Pressure up front, blitzing coming from the linebackers who were getting home, by the way. If you're going to blitz, you got to get there. They were getting home almost every time. And I thought the speed on the back of that defense, we all knew they could hit. But, boy, they could. I thought they were great athletically and running with their receivers. Like they, they made it look pretty simple how well they could stay with a lot of those receivers. So I think the team defense on Saturday was just fantastic. When it comes to quality, comfort, and exceptional style, insist on the authentic brand label. Embrace authenticity in your wardrobe with authentic brand collegiate and corporate branded attire, the favored choice nationwide. What a difference it makes, especially as we were talking about the the new timing rules. You know, if you're only going to get nine possessions in a game, if you can go steal a possession or two, what a difference that makes. So those two Jeremiah Cooper picks... And then, as you mentioned, I thought Malik Verdon just played a tremendous game. But I think there is, I think there's a lot of takeaway potential for this defense because I think there's so much confidence in that back end that you can take a few more chances, and a lot of times that results in turnovers. Yeah, Cooper's reception was a little bit of a chance because he, if you look at the play, he stepped up from taking the deep third, and he stepped up into the pocket, and he literally read the quarterback. Is it gutsy if that's a wheel route? Yeah, he took a little bit of a chance. But knowing that down in distance, second and seven, you know, they're on the 45-yard line. He was willing to sit down a little bit on that route, and he wasn't actually covering uh, supposed to have responsibilities there. He steps under the route and takes it. And so and you talked about this on the broadcast on Saturday. He had nine interceptions a senior in high school, five of them for a touchdown. So the second interception he has in the game to end the half, he he darn near takes that to the house. You know, that's yeah. a threat the whole time. And so, yeah, I think this he's not done. You know, he's a ball hawk. You can see that. I didn't really pick up on that as his freshman, his true freshman year. But it was very clear on Saturday what he's going to be into this defense. And I think you'll see multiple interceptions and hopefully more house calls. What a great find he was, too. An area where Iowa State typically has not recruited and got a tip and, and they were able to get Jeremiah. And, man, what a find. He's been starts his first game as a true freshman a year ago and we got dinged up. But I, I think the level, Hark, you mentioned, you didn't see that necessarily from him last year. I think the difference is that year of experience, that all the playing time he got, now he understands exactly what his role is back there. And, and he's got the physical tools and the mental sharpness to be able to execute it. I think he's going to have a terrific season. And, John, you're right. A few turnovers. We've talked about turnovers now like three times in this sidecast about how important it is. Uh, say we were minus seven as a team for the season last year in, in turnovers. If we can turn that around, flip that script completely, uh, and be plus seven or more uh, this year, I think it's going to be a really good year. Well, Eric, as you like to mention on our broadcast a lot, the best way to create turnovers is to impact the quarterback. And so we backtrack a little bit as we close out talking about the defense facing this Iowa offense. But McNamara watching their game does not move around very well right now. And obviously a lot of that's because of the injury, but I mean, Iowa state has to get some pressure and get him uncomfortable. And I think that's going to be harder than it was a week ago, but still if Iowa state can do that with that defensive line and those linebackers blitzing and get a little pressure, you might be able to get a turnover or two in this game. It doesn't matter who you are at quarterback. You're not as good when, when somebody's forcing you to go quicker than you want to, or you're concerned about taking the sack. So pressure affecting the quarterback, one of the biggest things for sure. And we talked about it last week too. And Iowa State's probably going to have to get pressure through scheme. And we saw Iowa State, they blitzed more. We saw it kind of in the fall camp a little bit. Uh, we saw it the other day, you know, Caleb Bacon with a couple of sacks. But Iowa State getting pressure that way. And I think that's where Coach Haycock 
it really excels. Finding ways to maximize the players you have to get the impact that you're looking for on a play. I don't know where the pressures are going to come from. We also saw Miles purchase you know, the corner blitz. We, we've done that periodically throughout uh, the last few years. But, you know, I think once again, I think that's going to be a key thing. You know, hopefully Tyler, Dom, Joey Peterson, those guys, Ike, it can get pressure. But with a three-man rush, it's not going to be consistent pressure. So you have to mix it up. And I think that's where Iowa State's scheme and what they're going to do to try to get pressure on Cade McNamara. He's not hes not just a statue, but he's not moving the way that I, I know he thinks he can or has been able to in the past. But you got to get pressure on him, make those throws more difficult. Yeah, Theo Day figured out what's really uncomfortable, and that's 335 pounds laying on top of you. So Dom <laughs> Orange's hit to start that game disrupted the entire first half. Theo Day was not the same for a while. It took him a while to kind of come out of that. That pick six came a couple plays later. When you get hit by 335 pounds that can move like that, that disrupts everything. So I, I agree. Like a, One player can take the other 11 out on offense by being disruptive on that on that quarterback. So, um, again, I, I think they can get home on Saturday. I, I think you will see that defensive line get some pressures. I kind of uh, – Eziagu, I think, will have a day. I, I really do. I think that's the name we talk about on Saturday after the game's over as someone that maybe emerges – that will get a lot of pressure that we may haven't talked about them quite yet. And I guess one more thing before we flip the page here and, and talk a little bit more about the offense guys. But when you think of this matchup, I mean, Eric mentioned it earlier, you know, obviously creating turnovers is right at the top of the chart, but, or, or avoiding them too. But also which team can establish some kind of a run game? You know, last year, Jairal Brock had over hundred yards rushing in Iowa city. And John Haycock is always going to say the number one key, no matter who they're playing, is to stop the run game. These teams are going to be stubborn about trying to run the football. How confident are you that Iowa State can find a way to do what they do best, keep stuff in front of them, and keep the sure tackle and, and keep those big plays from happening in the run game for Iowa? I think we saw it on Saturday. They had some big backs. You know, th those are probably going to be the two bigger backs we're going to see all year. You know, and I think that that was a great test for us early on. We didn't know what they had for an offensive line. You know, I'm not sure their offensive line is, you know, what we're going to see better offensive lines throughout the year than you and I. But those backs, they were impressive. They're big, powerful, strong. Really, you had to tackle. But again, up front, a big part of our run fit is our safeties. Malik Verdon coming up, Bo Freeler coming up, Miles Purchase tackling, Tampa tackling, every at Cooper. Cooper made some big hits in the run as well. A big part of our run game, which people understand in this in this defense of three three five, our safeties have run responsibilities inside the tackle box. And so they are as big a part of anything. And I tell you what, I think they did a really nice job on Saturday. You know, I think the other thing too for Iowa State coming into this game will be another game under the belt for Jack Sadowski, another game under the belt for Caleb Bacon. Will McLaughlin, Carson Willick, those guys who just didn't have a ton of game experience, none for certainly for Sadowski, but I think the step I expect them to take from week one to week two will make a big difference in that run game as well. So let's talk a bit about Iowa State's offense and how they might be able to move the ball against Iowa. And we've talked about the importance of kind of trying to establish some kind of a run game. But one thing I've always liked is when you can try to get a really good receiver matched up with a linebacker. And sometimes I was pretty stubborn about leaving those linebackers out there. Benjamin Bramer, can get one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker. We saw what happened last week. Man, I, I like Iowa State's chances in a matchup like that. I think when you look at the mismatch on, on linebacker, it is hard. They're there to stop the run. 
you know, and when you put a kid that's 6'7", 240, 250, that can run like that, John, it does create mismatches. I think safeties are going to struggle with Ben Bramer all year. So they're going to have to adjust to something there. But the only way it's going to work, the reason it worked on Saturdays, we were moving the ball and they were, they were selling out to stop our run. Uh, so if they want, to, they want to invest nine into the box, that is going to open up a lot of things on the back end of that defense. And two things, like Jalen Knowles opened twice for – for post patterns that are touchdowns if we can connect on them. And they weren't way overthrown. They were really – actually, they're both really good thrown balls and just didn't quite connect on them. You know, and so, and I thought where Rocco was really good, he's 10 of 13, two of them were deep balls. He was timely with his throws. He was crisp with them. He made good decisions every single time. In my opinion, he made really good decisions on his throws when he was going to get rid of the ball. He helped his offensive line when there was pressure. He scrambled, got rid of the ball uh, very efficiently or ran with it. So I think the defense for Iowa is going to dictate it. And I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. They're going to run 4-3, you know, defense. And they're going to leave cover two is what they're going to be their coverage in because they've been doing it for 20 years. And they're going to be simple. And so if we can run the ball, it will open up the pass game. We just have to be able to run the ball on Saturday. I think that's obviously very important to be able to run the football, but we have to do whatever it's going to take to move the football without turning it over. And I think so much comes on to Rocco in that regard. And that's what impressed me a lot Saturday. The other thing we talked about the offensive lines ability to, to get the run game going, how well they block there. I thought they were really good in pass pro. And I think that's a really big thing for a young quarterback. And, I, you know, if, if they can give Rocco time, I think Rocco's got the moxie to make the plays. But how many times have we seen pressure from Iowa just from their front four and it's caused turnovers? And hopefully on, on Saturday, Iowa State's going to be able to protect Rocco. And, you know, if that offensive line continues to grow and he's protected, Iowa typically doesn't blitz a lot. They may bring some if they're not able to get there. I'm not sure Iowa's defensive front is as good as maybe some of the ones they've had in the past. It's really good. But if those front four can't get pressure, then it's up to Rocco to take what's there. I mean, how many times does Iowa bait you into making that throw downfield unless you're throwing to the sideline past the corner? I mean, that's always been an area that's been open. But you throw it over the middle of the field, and man, how many times have bad things happened? But once again, so many times it's been because quarterback has been rushed. So hopefully, hopefully they can give him the protection. Be right, running the football would be great. I think it's going to be difficult at times, but you can't give up on it. On football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when supported by the team at Van Wall Equipment, the Cyclones' John Deere dealer of choice. You've got a redshirt freshman starting over there at corner into Sean Lee. And Utah State went at him quite a bit. If you can get Jalen Knoll or Jaden Higgins one-on-one against him, maybe there's an opportunity there. I think we just are scratching the surface of what we're going to see from Jaden Higgins, especially in the red zone. But exciting to think what he might be able to do in a one-on-one situation. We'll see more of Jaden Higgins on Saturday than we saw this past Saturday. I, I, I firmly believe that. I think Jaden Higgins is a big-time receiver. I think the one catch he made over the middle in the red zone there and his, his aggressive running style after yards after the catch were fantastic. And he's good hands. He had a great camp. I think you're going to see a lot of Jaden Higgins on Saturday. I, I don't think that's going to be a normal thing. But what I do love, and back to what we were just talking about, the, the run lead in the pass, the three tight end sets. We talked about a preseason. I think we'll see a lot of three tight end sets again on Saturday. The good news is Tyler Moore can catch the ball really well. He showed that. Steve O'Klotz, his hands look great. He's he's great. Bramer's great. And Easton Dean's great. So and Gabe, Gabe Burkle. Yeah, and then you got Gabe Burkle. He was out there in a lot of run situations. So that 
is so dynamic when you can put big guys out there like that that can both run and can run block. If they're going out for passes, they're hard to cover, and it just makes you so diverse on offense. So that's – Jaden Higgins will be a bigger part of Saturday, and I think those tight ends will play a big part in, 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 in a victory for Iowa State. You know, and Iowa State has to find ways to use those tight ends, maybe the back out of the backfield, little things to keep the chains moving because one thing that's been pretty much a constant in this series is – you know, Iowa doesn't give up big plays, and Iowa State doesn't have maybe the home run hitters that some other teams have, but they've got a lot of guys that, that can get open. Iowa State's got to be able to utilize those guys, and certainly the tight ends. Quarterbacks love tall tight ends who can catch the football, and I think Bramer adds another dimension because he runs better than just about any tight end Iowa State's had in a long time. So that's a really good thing, and hopefully the tight ends will be a big part of it. But underneath stuff is going to be there, but you can't be third and ten. That five-yard drag route's not going to work very well. So if you can stay ahead of the chains just a little bit, or even with the chains, the playbook is so much more open, and opportunity for success is much greater. A lot of good tight ends in this game. (laughs) Iowa has a couple really good tight ends, too. Hey, let's wrap it up with this, guys. You grab the stat sheet, the final stat sheet after this game. What's the first line you're looking at? Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Iowa has 219 interceptions since 2009. And so we have to be aware of the turnover. You know, last time we were in Ames, I honestly believe we had control of that game. And that turnover by Jack Campbell that scored a touchdown, that turned the game. Again, I feel very confident that 22 guys, whatever 22 are on the field, I think that our, we match up very well against Iowa. we got to win the turnover battle. That's where they've gotten us. That's where they get us. And so if we win that and we are physical, we'll be just fine on, on Saturday. Yeah. It's not going to matter as much how many turnovers we get from them, although it would be great. It's how many we don't turn over. To them, and I think that's going to be the big thing. If it if it's just mono mono, no turnovers, home field. I like our, I love our chances. Yeah, and if it's nothing, nothing in turnovers, then I'm going to look directly down to to rushing average. You know, how many yards mm-hmm. per rush? Because I, I think the team that can run the football in this series typically wins, and I don't expect that to be a whole lot different on Saturday. So, awesome guys, appreciate the time, and I uh, can't wait to see you guys on Saturday. All right, go Cyclones. Looking forward to it, John. Go Cyclones. Today's Sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.